This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Five minutes after the hour, it's Friday, December 10th. Good morning and welcome back to Morning Air on the Feast of Our Lady of Loretto. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us coast to coast across America on the Relevant Radio Network and the Relevant Radio app. Glenn Leverance is off today so he can attend our Relevant Radio Christmas party tonight that we're all so much looking forward to. On Fridays, I always remind you that this is the day that we remember the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Friday is also the traditional day dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Once again, I want to encourage you, if you can, Spend a few moments in front of the Blessed Sacrament meditating on the passion of our Lord today. If you can't stop by a church or a chapel, just go in, genuflect, spend a moment and say, thank you, Jesus, for all the many blessings. In fact, that's exactly how we start every program, every hour here on Morning Air, giving thanks to our Lord through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Nuestra Señora de Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit here on Morning Air when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. As we do every morning, our power scripture from the playbook of life is from Luke 137. The angel Gabriel says to Mary, our mother, for nothing will be impossible with God. These very words, nothing is impossible with God, appear right over the beautiful crucifix in Relevant Radio's Chapel of the Nativity in Green Bay, Wisconsin. They're a never-ending reminder that if it's according to God's will, nothing is impossible with God. Our blessed Lord himself, himself says in Mark 9.23, all things are possible to him who believes. And so with uh, great belief uh, and great trust, uh, we pray with uh, confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Now, it's been 10 days since the U.S. Supreme Court heard oral arguments in the case Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, a legal challenge to Mississippi's law that bans abortion after 15 weeks of 
pregnancy. The mainstream media and Planned Parenthood and big abortion have been going absolutely nuts, realizing that Roe v. Wade could be overturned. One of the arguments that came up uh, was about abortion and religion. In his opening remarks, Mississippi Solicitor General Scott Stewart claimed that uh, the abortion cases were the only instances in which this court recognized a right to end a human life. Listen to this exchange with Justice Sonia Sotomayor. The, the viability line discounts and disregards state interests, and the undue burden t- standard has all, all of the problems. That How we is your interest anything but a religious view? Um, the issue of when life begins has been hotly debated by philosophers since the beginning of time. It's still debated in religions. Um, So when you say this is the only right that takes away from the state the ability to protect a life, that's a religious view, isn't it? Because it assumes that a fetus is life at when? You're not drawing your, when do you suggest we begin that life? Joining us now for much more, more perspective on what uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor and the reaction from the mainstream media had to say on the Supreme Court in the Dobbs case is our regular contributor, Mary Helen Fiorito. Mary is an attorney, public speaker, and commentator on issues involving Catholic Church teachings, administration, and religious freedom. She holds the position of the Cardinal Francis George Fellow at both the Ethics and Public Policy Center and the De Nicola Center for Ethics and Culture at the University of Notre Dame. Good morning, Mary. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us. It's always good to be with you. Thank you so much, John. Always a joy to be with you and your listeners. Well, Mary, uh, the issue of defining human life uh, arose in the exchange that we just heard uh, between Justice Sonia Sotomayor and Mississippi Solicitor General Scott Stewart. What is uh, your take? What's your reaction about uh, Sotomayor's arguments? Well, you know, I just, my, I felt my blood pressure rising hearing that clip again, and I've heard it probably half a dozen times already, but I um very disappointed. First of all, it's really an anti-intellectual argument she was making. Um, she obviously, she cut off the Solicitor General several times as he was trying to answer her, but she was trying to sort of um, paint for the American people um, this, this sort of notion that abortion is a religious issue when it's not. Um, she she says, you know, uh, I think her, her point is that, you know, when life begins is a hotly debated question. It's not a hotly debated question. In fact, science has concluded pretty much universally that life that is human begins at the moment of conception. You can look at any embryology textbook, any medical textbook. Uh, in fact, there was a, a fairly recent survey done 6,000 biologists worldwide by Dr. Steve Jacobs uh, asking them, when does human life begin? 96% of them said that life that is human begins at conception. So this is, this is not even a question that's open for discussion, and it's not a religious question. Now, our religion happens to agree with it, right? I mean, we, we've, you know, the, the very earliest church manual of discipline, the Didache, which was written by the very first followers of Jesus, um, specifically condemns abortion in, in a Roman Empire, but was widely practiced. So the very first Christians who took, you know, from Jesus 
uh, his his sort of instructions about how to live as as this new Christian community again explicitly condemned abortion. So we know that that the Christian faith faith from the very earliest days condemned abortion explicitly and by name. However, that's not how we you know come to the conclusion that life that is human begins at conception. That is something we can know through the use of our human reason, right? And so we can look at an embryology textbook. You can look at, you know, um, again, this the study that was done uh, of the, the world's 6,000 leading biologists, 96% of whom said life begins at conception. And we know from something called natural law, right? So you don't have to be a Christian or even a person of any faith to know the kind of law that we would say is written on your heart. You know killing another person is a bad thing. No, you don't have to be a religious person to realize that. And you can take that combination of knowing that life begins at conception, the natural law proposal, which said that taking the life of another person, an innocent, is wrong. And you don't have to be religious at all to believe that abortion is wrong. So uh, to me, it seems, Sotomayor seems rather desperate, I mean, to have to go to the, this is just your religious point of view argument because there are plenty of pro-life atheists and pro-life agnostics, uh, secular, completely secular pro-life people, all of whom were on the steps of the court the, the morning of the oral arguments, and who, who believe very strongly they're, they're not religious people, but they agree with us that life that is human should not be taken in any form. And Mary, uh, the, the, all those groups you just described, the secular pro-life, uh, the atheists, that's exactly the types of folks that we included in addition to the Christians in my movie, uh, The 40 Film, which ironically uh, premiered eight years ago today oh, on the that, Vigil of the Feast happen, of Our Lady yeah. of Guadalupe, uh, just down the street at the Pickwick Theater, uh, 900 people a, yep, a day I that I will never forget. Uh, yep. And we, we actually wanted to make the case that, that the issue of abortion is not just a religious issue, but that it is a human rights issue, the most important human and civil rights issue of our time. And apparently the good Justice Sotomayor has never seen an ultrasound because the evidence from the ultrasounds is so strong. It's compelling and overwhelming. Anybody has seen an ultrasound sees that it's not a glob of tissue. It's a baby. Yeah, she, her, her arguments, and well, they really weren't even arguments. Um, it was more like just sort of her, almost like she was reading a, a press release. from Talking a points uh, from Planned Parenthood. Right, exactly. That's what it sounded like. And, and she kept cutting it. So the Solicitor General couldn't speak while the Justice was speaking. So he cut into a significant amount of his question and answer time. So, you know, unfortunately, prohibiting some of the other Justices from getting to the real substantive questions um, and not these red herrings that Sotomayor was throwing out. Very, very disappointing. I thought it was unprofessional um, and, and just, you know, again, trying to skirt what the real issues that he was trying to bring up that Mississippi is concerned about, which, you know, which is that the state does have an interest in protecting unborn human life. You look, 39 states in our country, John, have fetal homicide laws. So if you kill a pregnant woman, you're not charged with just one count of manslaughter or murder, whatever it happens to be. You're charged with two because the law recognizes that there are two distinct people whose lives that were lost. I think most, most people would probably remember Lacey and Connor's law. That's for Lacey Peterson and her unborn son, Connor, who were murdered, sadly, by her husband and Connor's father. And now there is a federal prohibition um, uh, on fetal homicide. So there's the only carve-out that we have for fetal homicide is abortion. 
Absolutely. And I think that the mainstream media has forgotten that even if Roe v. Wade is overturned, it's going to go back to the states. What's been your reaction of uh, how crazy, how nuts the mainstream media has been going and uh, also the reaction of of Planned Parenthood uh, on the Dobbs case uh, by the Supreme Court? Yeah, I I think they are. They know what's coming. They know this is going to likely be a 6-3 decision overturning Roe and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So what they are trying to do is sort of um, stir up fear. I, I have seen this everywhere from Stephen Colbert, I'm, I'm sad to say, had a whole sort of riff on it the other night on his show, um, completely uninformed. I Really, comedians shouldn't comment on constitutional law if they know nothing about it. Um, but the, you know, the audience just howling when he said it looks like Roe versus Wade is going to be overturned. The audience, I must say, primarily of men. And I think you see, you know, a lot of men who have relied on abortion when they father children that they really don't want to take care of or support. Abortion's been a great thing for them in many contexts. So um, it was kind of interesting to hear the mostly male audience reaction to Stephen Colbert, but they're trying to stir up fear. They're trying to make people believe that women are going to be forced into unsafe, you know, alley abortions, which never even happened pre-Roe, but that, that's a conversation for another show, I think. But they are trying to, to whip up um, public sentiment and to, to make people fearful, you know. Um, the the, the abortion regime in the United States has really only been with us for 50 years. It was decided by seven men who, you know, without really any kind of input or um, information from scientists and biologists and neonatologists. And, you know, when Sotomayor actually went off on another tangent talking about how nothing has really changed in those 50 years, as you just referenced, ultrasound, now we can see it in 4D. Now we can see human beings at 10, 12 weeks with very distinct features, sucking their thumbs, smiling. I mean, how can she possibly say that, you know, that nothing has changed in 50 years? That's absurd. You can't. Uh, Science is catching up to scripture. I'd like to get your take, uh, Mary, of uh, MSNBC's uh, Rachel Maddow um, and how she reacted on the air. If women are not able to make this decision, if states can take control of women's bodies and force them, to endure months of pregnancy and childbirth, then women will never have equal status under the Constitution. Julie Rickleman uh, for the Center for Constitutional Rights today, making it blunt, you know, I mean, that this really is about American women being forced by the government to give birth against their will. I mean, this is the, this is what the supposed small government conservative movement has brought us, right? This this very big government idea, the idea that the government will decide, you know, whether or not you get an abortion, the government will decide whether or not you stay pregnant, the government will decide whether or not you give birth. It's not your choice. The government gets to decide it. Your thoughts, Mary? Well, first of all, um, you know, as I mentioned, the state does have a right. The government does have an interest in protecting unborn human life. We see this in all sorts of other areas in the law fetal homicide, which I just mentioned, but also tort law, which allows, you know, unborn children to be able to sue for damages if they're somehow harmed medically. Uh, Inheritance law recognizes unborn children as people. So in the context of American law, the government um, does already protect and acknowledge that unborn human life is human and that, that the state has an interest in protecting those human lives. First of all, Secondly, the government isn't forcing anybody to get pregnant. I'm not, you know, they they seem to be missing a step there, right? Like there's going to be, you know, they call us forced birthers now. But how on earth 
um, can, can they make that claim when it is the, the free choice of a woman and a man to engage in behavior that can, that can lead to the creation of a new life? That is not something the government is forcing. Finally, her, her point that, that women need abortion to be free, I signed on to an amicus brief, a friend of the course brief, that takes on this very point, dismantles it completely. Women do not need to kill their children to be equal or to succeed professionally or academically. Well, Mary, I so much uh, appreciate uh, your perspective. You are a pro-life champion, and uh, it's always a joy to be with you uh, to get your take. And we need to continue uh, to pray for the justices. Uh, They obviously could change their minds between now and June. And also to ask Our Lady of Guadalupe, the patroness of the unborn, uh, to intercede for us and and keep praying for a good outcome for the Dobbs uh, case. Thanks so much, Mary. Great to be with you, John. Have a great weekend. Happy, happy Guadalupe Day to all of you and your listeners. Que viva la Virgen de Guadalupe. Thank you, uh, Mary. We need to take a short break. When Morning Air continues, we'll be joined by pro-life leader Astrid Bennett Gutierrez, who's going to talk to us about the significance of the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the patroness of the unborn. And we also have a special feature on the miracle of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So stay with us. There's much more to come as Morning Air continues after this. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Our number, if you want to be part of the conversation, 888-914-9149. As you can tell, and as we've been talking about uh, this morning here on the show, this coming Sunday, December 12th, we celebrate the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the patroness of the Americas and the patroness of the unborn. In anticipation of this huge feast, I want to share a special historical perspective on the story and the miracle of Our Lady of Guadalupe. During the miraculous events that unfolded for four days in December of 1531, our blessed Lord willed to meet mankind through His own mother, Santa Maria de Guadalupe. At dawn on the morning of December 9, 1531, a humble, recent convert to the Catholic faith named Juan Diego was walking nine miles on his way to attend Mass on the then Feast of the Immaculate Conception. As the 57-year-old Aztec Indian passed by the hill of Tepeyac just outside Mexico City, he heard the beautiful singing of birds which seemed to come from heaven. Juan Diego looked to see where the heavenly music was coming from when he suddenly heard a young woman's voice affectionately calling his name. Juanito, Juan Dieguito, Reaching the top of the hill, he encountered a beautiful dark-skinned woman surrounded by radiant light and music. Her clothes shine like the sun. Speaking in his own native Aztec language, she said, My dear little son, I love you. I desire you to know who I am. 
I am the ever-Virgin Mary, Mother of the true God, who is the origin of all life, who creates all things and keeps them in being, the Lord of heaven and earth. Our Lady told Juan Diego to go to the Bishop of Mexico City and request that a church be built where his people could experience her love and compassion. After being put off by the bishop's servants, Juan Diego was finally granted an audience with Franciscan Bishop Fray Juan Sumarraga. At first, the bishop didn't believe him and asked him to come back on another day. A disappointed Juan Diego returned to Tepeyac and asked Our Lady to use someone else more worthy than himself. She assured him that he was personally chosen to be her ambassador. The next day, he returned to plead with the bishop. Even though the bishop was impressed by Juan's persistence, the bishop was still not sure. He sent Juan Diego to tell the lady he needed a sign in order to know if it was truly her. After hearing the bishop's request, Our Lady told Juan to return the next day and she would give him the sign he needed. Returning home, Juan Diego found his uncle Juan Bernardino very ill and close to death. Instead of coming back the next day, Juan stayed home and took care of his ailing uncle. Early on December the 12th, Juan Diego returned to Mexico City to find a priest to administer the last rites to his dying uncle. On his way, he went around the back of Tepeyac Hill to avoid Our Lady. But she met him anyway, telling him not to worry, that his uncle was already healed. The Blessed Virgin said, My little son, do not be distressed and afraid. Am I not here who am your mother? Are you not under my shadow and protection? Your uncle will not die at this time. Juan Diego was to learn later that at the moment Our Lady appeared to his uncle, he was restored to health. She urged Juan to go to the top of the hill, where he would find flowers miraculously growing. Juan was astonished to see so many vibrant Castilian roses despite the frost. He cut them and gathered them into his tilma or cloak. Our Lady arranged the flowers with her own hands, rolled up the tilma, and ordered Juan Diego not to open his tilma until he was in the presence of the bishop. After being harassed by the bishop's servants, Juan Diego was finally brought in to see him. After explaining all the details of his conversation with Our Lady, he let down his tilma and the roses fell to the floor. Juan was surprised when everyone in the room also went down on their knees. A life-size image of the Blessed Virgin Mary had miraculously appeared on Juan Diego's tilma. A teary-eyed and repentant Bishop Juan Zumarraga promised to build a shrine that Our Lady, Santa Maria de Guadalupe, had requested. In a short time, a chapel was built and the miraculous image was venerated by the faithful. The multitudes began to stream in to see the heavenly image and hear the story from Juan Diego himself. Many miracles started happening and in the following seven years, some nine million natives were baptized and converted to Jesus Christ because of the faith of Juan Diego and the miracle of Our Lady of Guadalupe. 
Of all the many Marian apparitions throughout the centuries, only Our Lady of Guadalupe appears to us as clearly as the patroness of the unborn in the manner of a pregnant mother with the baby Jesus in her womb. Now joining us from Los Angeles, California, is national pro-life leader Astrid Bennett Gutierrez to talk about the significance of the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the patroness of the unborn. Astrid is a pro-life activist and speaker working in the Hispanic community to save the unborn and train leaders to end abortion. She's the president of the Vida In- Initiative and executive director of Los Angeles Pregnancy Services, which provides support for women of L.A. who are primarily Hispanic. Good morning, Astrid. Bienvenida. Welcome back to Morning Air. Great to be with you from L.A. It's early out there. Thanks so much uh, for taking the time to be with us. Hello, John. Muchas gracias. I really appreciate this opportunity. What a joyous occasion. Uh, to be greeting uh, the relevant radio audience. This is uh, such an important feast uh, for the pro-life movement, for our nation. We are in such a pivotal moment in our history. We feel our Blessed Mother's intercession at this time. You know, we had a, an incredible uh, last week for the pro-life movement. We really feel the culture of death is really uh, being dealt a tremendous blow. We know that it is our Blessed Mother who has, who has us under her motherly protection and intercession, who is fighting with us. So uh, this Sunday, which is her feast day as well, the 12th of December, Our Lady of Guadalupe, we're going to thank her and rejoice with her, uh, these graces, and just be ever, ever hopeful. She's fighting with us hand in hand, towards victory, the victory that her son has already won for us against death. Absolutely. We are with you. And Astrid, you have been on the front lines for such a long time, uh, defending life, promoting life, uh, helping women over the years uh, with your vocation uh, in, in the, in the pro-life movement. What does Our Lady of Guadalupe mean for you uh, deep down in your heart? What does she mean for you personally? And what does she mean for the Mexican people? Uh, she signifies hope. That is the word that I can give to you because she literally carries hope within her womb. The image of Our Lady Guadalupe, she is pregnant uh, with our, our unborn Jesus Savior. So we look to her and uh, as our hope, but also as our model. Uh, who is she? As we contemplate her, her, her image, we see an image of, of tenderness. We see an image of, uh, full of reverence, reverence for the life within her, reverence for God. And she is his, she is his handmaid. Uh, her humility, uh, her simplicity, her faith, and, and her hands in prayer. So for us, uh, and for me personally, uh, she is just the model, and she's she is the one that we're we hope to emulate as she emulates her son, as she brings her prayers to her son. Uh, so in the pro life movement, I think looking at her image, um, words fail, obviously, uh, to to describe what what she means, and uh, I think she's just uh, a glimpse of heaven is really what she is uh, for us who are in this valley of tears, but we are fighting the good fight as. St. Paul says, towards victory, towards an end to abortion, and all the evils that um, abortion has wrought, not only, uh, not only the, the killing of the unborn, but we know that there's so many more evils that have come with the culture of death, euthanasia, 
prostitution, child abuse, contraception being the, the probably the thing that has led us to this terrible downfall in the in the family. So I I, I think that she is someone that naturally pro-lifers should look to, um, and also the image brings hope, John, to the woman who is pregnant and fearful to look at the Blessed Mother and her faith and her trust, I think it, it fills the woman who is in crisis with courage against the tide of, of temptation to have an abortion, which is prevalent, unfortunately. If we bring a woman uh, close to the Blessed Mother, if we, if, we, if we allow her to contemplate the Blessed Mother's countenance, her faith, her trust... Uh, and and also tell her the truth. Tell this woman that she is blessed, that she is blessed, that she just needs to trust God. That blessings will come. I think that is our role. And so so the 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 image of our Blessed Mother in, emboldens the pro-lifer and fills the woman in crisis a pregnant woman in crisis with courage. And Astrid, it is that image, that miraculous image of Our Lady Guadalupe in the Mexican capital that attracts uh, millions, as many as 10 million uh, to Mexico City every year. A huge crowd is expected this year uh, after we've been waiting uh, all this time because of the pandemic, uh, as well as in Chicago, they're expecting two, 300,000 pilgrims. San Antonio has big celebrations and many other places across the country. How is the Feast of Our Lady Guadalupe being celebrated in Los Angeles? Since I was a child, and I'm, I was born in L.A., uh, raised in L.A., since I was a child, uh, Guadalupanos, we don't sleep. So it's, it's a <laughs> celebration from uh, the day before. Children are used to it. We're out there. You know, it's, it's pretty chilly here in, in, in L.A. in December, not as bad as Chicago, but it's pretty, it's pretty cold for a child. Um, and it was just something so, so emotional and so exciting to be there singing to our Blessed Mother the traditional mañanitas, which is the, the greeting uh, that we sing to her with full mariachi uh, through the night. It's beautiful. So celebrations have begun here since yesterday uh, in, in parishes all over Los Angeles, uh, the cathedral as well. And the tradition really is to um, sing to her at dawn. So at dawn, around this time right now, many parishes are beginning to uh, play beautiful greetings and music to our Blessed Mother. And you just see the outpouring of love, of love, of, of people coming to just give her all of our cares and concerns and just to thank her for the blessings and just to fill our hearts with hope uh, for the coming year. She is the mother that our Lord has given us. What a gift. So that's something very, very beautiful. It's, I don't think it's only a, a thing for Mexicans. I think it's something throughout the Americas. And I hope throughout the world and definitely in the pro-life movement, we have a very special love for her. Absolutely. We're joined this morning by Astrid Bennett Gutierrez, live from Los Angeles, California. She's a national pro-life leader, president of the Vida Initiative and executive director of L.A. Pregnancy Services. Astrid, uh, we know that Our Lady Guadalupe is the patroness of the Americas. She's also, by the way, the patroness of Relevant Radio. But uh, why is she the patroness of the unborn and of the pro life movement you know it, it's uh, so natural to adopt her as our patroness as our protectress because she carries the unborn Jesus in her womb uh, so this is something that 
even before she was declared the patroness of the unborn by John Paul II in 1999 in Mexico, very appropriately, in one of his visits, um, she was already adopted um, as, as the one who, who intercedes for us, who carries literally within her the child, the child Jesus, um, and signifying that the child is the hope. The child is the future of any civilization. Um, and that, she, that, the, that the family is foundational for society. And she carries that image literally within her. So that is, that is why she is so important. We know the Blessed Mother um, in the book of Apocalypse, you know, she is the one who, who crushes the head of Satan. And, and that is what um, abortion is. The it's woman clothed with the sun with 12 stars yes. over her head, which yes. we see in the image of Our Lady Guadalupe. Uh, yes. There is so much to talk about uh, when, when it comes to this image. And uh, we, we definitely want to, uh, to break it down a little bit uh, as, as we're talking about Our Lady Guadalupe as the, the patroness of the unborn. If you have a special devotion, I want to bring in our audience. And we yes. know that many of our audience love our Blessed Mother and Our Lady of Guadalupe. If you have a special devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, the patroness of the unborn, give us a call. Uh, share with us what she means to you, what she means to you personally. You can join the conversation with uh, National Pro-Life Leader Astrid Bene Gutierrez, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Astrid, we're going to take a short time out, a little break, as we continue our conversation with Astrid Bene Gutierrez on Our Lady of Guadalupe. Stay with us. There's much more to come here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Estas son las mañanitas que cantaba el rey David Hoy por ser día de tu santo te las cantamos aquí and we're getting ready for the upcoming feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Welcome back to Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for being with us this morning as we continue our conversation with our good friend, Astrid Bennett Gutierrez, live from Los Angeles, California, pro-life leader, president of the Vida Initiative and executive director of Los Angeles Pregnancy Services. Astrid, it is so good to be with you once again. Thank you so much. This is such a blessed feast for the United States and for the pro-life movement. It's such a joy to be able to greet everyone uh, here today. Thank you, John. Astrid, I, I want to do a little exercise with our audience. And, and by the way, I want to encourage you, if you want to share what Our Lady of Guadalupe means to you, give us a call, 888-914-9149. We have open lines as we speak, but they don't stay open. And oftentimes we run out of time at the end, 888 uh, Astrid, uh, let's uh, ask our audience, especially if you're not driving, close your eyes for just a moment. And, and Astrid, can you describe for us this miraculous image of Our Lady of Guadalupe uh, and how she holds the unborn baby Jesus in her womb. I'm looking at her right now. This image uh, is found in many pro-life centers uh, throughout the world. And she is so meaningful to us and she's so meaningful to the woman 
uh, going through a difficult moment, pregnant and scared. And looking at her image, the first thing that uh, comes to, to mind is the beautiful, uh, kind, gentle tenderness of her face. And she is bowing in reverence to God. She is a child of God, as we all are. And she is filled with faith. And she's filled with peace. And she's inviting each of us and the woman who is pregnant and scared to trust as she is trusting and to be reverent to God and to the unborn child that she carries within her. She has a, a black uh, ribbon which signifies to the indigenous people of pregnancy. So she is pregnant with the unborn Jesus and with hope. This is the hope that she communicates to the women in crisis. She says, am I not here that I'm your mother? She understands the woman in crisis. She understands every person that is suffering through trials. And she invites us to trust the way that she trusted in God. And that's, that's the message of, of the, our Blessed Mother. Um, Father Paul Marx, may he rest in peace, said that only through the heart of a mother so benevolent and powerful can we hope to achieve our blessed goals of ending abortion, you know, of becoming saints. This is what we ask of our Blessed Mother. We entrust our nation, we entrust the pro-life movement and our goals and our mission to rescue the unborn, to bring an end to abortion in our nation, which has been the 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 biggest uh, the biggest the biggest scourge in our nation and in the world our blessed mother gives us that hope so i invite you today to contemplate that image have that image available when you're doing your pro life work bring her to the abortion centers uh, let her just shine her message there are no words needed to shine that beautiful message of hope many women will see her and recognize who she is and what she signifies. She has rescued so many lives, John. It's it's she's really truly powerful and working miracles even today. Absolutely. Well, you can open up your eyes now. What a beautiful description, uh, Astrid. Uh, my goodness, you know, we have such a special devotion to Our Lady Guadalupe. We have her here in studio, here in our uh, Chicago Relevant Radio studios. Uh, she's the uh, patroness of our network, uh, and, uh, and in fact, our, our license uh, was received on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe back in the year 2000, so she's such an important part. But when you look at the image, there's, there's so much that we could talk We could do hours talking about just the image. Um, one thing that, that strikes me is that she's mestiza. She's neither white like the Spaniards nor dark like the Indians. She's kind of a combination uh, of, of both. And I think this speaks to why she's not only uh, the patroness of Mexico, but of, of all the Americas, really of all mankind. Yes, she is. She has a universality about her, uh, which is, speaks to any race. Um, there's also something very otherworldly about her. This is a divine image. It's a miraculous image. It's unexplainable how it has not decomposed in so many centuries. For the first 116 years, that image was not protected by any glass. For 116 years, it survived, and then uh, it has survived a bomb. It has survived um, acid being thrown on it. I mean, it's something so incredible to understand that this image is from heaven. It is. It is uh, the, the painter is God Himself, and uh, He has given us this universal image 
for all of us to understand that we're all called to be saints. We're all called to come home to heaven, which is, which is a, the home for all of us. The painter is God. That is so true. Scientists have not been able to figure out how the paint got on there, how the image got on there. Um, Jennifer is joining us from Austin, Texas. Good morning, Jennifer. Uh, welcome to Morning Air. Good morning. How are you guys? <laughs> doing great. Doing great. Great. I just wanted to show my story and what the mother means to me. I mean, um, I haven't had my birth mother in my life for several years. So I've been lonely not having that mother. And um, a few weeks ago, you know, I've, I was being um, prepped for a colonoscopy. And I just, you know, just the whole thought of it was kind of scary. And, you know, I have been crying the whole day. And I went to my bedroom after making the appointment, you know, and I prayed to her. And I said, you know, I just felt so lonely. I need my mother to wrap her arms around me. I need to know that you're here with me. And that evening, I went to the retail store, and, you know, the girl in the, behind the counter, she heard me sniffling, and she was like, are you okay? She just came from behind the counter and gave me a big old hug, not even knowing who I was. She didn't care she was at work, and she just said the most beautiful prayer for me whatsoever. And, you know, and then before I left, she hugged me again. And, I mean, she just wrapped her whole arms around me. And I, and when I left, I said, that was my mother holding me when I asked her in prayer. That was because I felt so at ease when I left that store. I felt, I knew that was the mother. Thank you, Jennifer. Astrid, a quick thought. How beautiful. God bless you. That indeed was our blessed mother. She's the mother of us all. May she continue to bless you and fill you, fill your heart with that confidence that God loves you so much. Um, and the blessed mother is, is indeed our mother to console us, uh, to comfort us and to heal every wound. God bless you. And thank you for that beautiful, beautiful, profound story. Thank you, Jennifer. We go from Austin to Brooklyn, New York. Fred is joining us on Morning Air. Fred, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. I'm the executive director of the Life Center of New York and Brooklyn. And we have Our Lady of Guadalupe as our patroness. We have an image of her in our office. And we pray the Angelus every day. And we can, when we can, we do the rosary. She's on our uh, letters that we send out. We always say in Christ and Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the unborn or protector of the unborn. Either way, we love her very much and she's helped us tremendously in our office we're a little office in brooklyn and uh we don't have much uh connections with the big and the powerful but we get our donations she provides for us and our center has been going on for 37 years saving babies and saving moms and uh, we attribute it all to our lord our savior and our blessed mother our lady of guadalupe and i just want to throw that in today say how much she is a wonderful mother and always provides for us. We never are depressed or anxious about anything regarding our income and how to survive in our office. Thanks so much, uh, Fred. Uh, Astrid, uh, this is a, a wonderful testimony. 
What a beautiful testimony. Indeed, she is also present at our pregnancy center, um, our centers as Jorge Serrano Limon of Mexico, who began the pregnancy center movement in Latin America. He says, our centers belong to our blessed Lord and to Our Lady of Guadalupe. She is there front and center fighting those battles with us. So what a beautiful testimony also of trusting, trusting, uh, not only inviting the women to trust, in God and to choose life, but also the pro-lifer to trust through all the trials that we face and the opposition that we face. God bless you for that beautiful story and for sharing and for all you do for life. Thanks so much, Fred. Uh, we have about a, less than a minute. Uh, Astrid, uh, a final thought on what Our Lady of Guadalupe, the patroness of the unborn, means for all of us and the pro-life movement. Our Lady, I think more than ever, is, is inviting us to not be afraid to be a part of the pro-life movement, to pray her holy rosary for an end to abortion, to bring her image wherever we can, share her image, her miraculous image that wrought so many uh, beautiful conversions. And more than anything, it's that. It's to, it's to more than ever dedicate ourselves to do whatever we can to help end abortion. This is the moment, and she is with us. Do not be afraid. We must be more bold in our prayer and action than ever. Um, Roe versus Wade, we know, is is just, just the beginning of the end to abortion. Um, we Amen. Have we'll have to leave it there. We are just thank all you. out of time. Astrid, thank you so mm-hmm. much for being with us. Astrid Bennett Gutierrez, the president of the Vita Initiative. Now it's time for another edition of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called Christmas Love by Candy Shand. Each December, I vowed to make Christmas a calm and peaceful experience, but once again, despite my plans, chaos prevailed. I'd cut back on non-essential obligations, extensive card writing, endless baking, decorating, and yes, even the all-American pastime, overspending. Yet still, I found myself exhausted, unable to appreciate the precious family moments and, of course, the true meaning of Christmas. My son Nicholas was in kindergarten that year. It was an exciting season for a six-year-old, filled with hopes, dreams, and laughter. For weeks, he'd been memorizing songs for his school's winter pageant. I didn't have the heart to tell him I'd be working the night of the production. Unwilling to miss his shining moment, I spoke with his teacher. She assured me there'd be a dress rehearsal the morning of the presentation. All parents unable to attend that evening were welcome to come then. Fortunately, Nicholas seemed happy with the compromise. So, just as promised, on the morning of the dress rehearsal, I filed in ten minutes early, found a spot on the cafeteria floor, and sat down. Around the room, I saw several other parents quietly scampering to their seats. As I waited, the students were led into the room. Each class, accompanied by their teacher, sat cross-legged on the floor. Then each group, one by one, rose to perform their song. Because the public school system had long stopped referring to the holiday as Christmas, I didn't expect anything other than fun commercial entertainment, songs of reindeer, Santa Claus, snowflakes, and good cheer. The melodies were fun, cute, and lighthearted, but nowhere to be found was even the hint of an innocent babe, a manger, or Christ's sacred gift of hope and joy. So when my son's class rose to sing Christmas Love, I was slightly taken aback by its bold title. Nicholas was aglow, as were all of his classmates. Adorned in fuzzy mittens, red sweaters, and bright snow caps upon their heads, Those in the front row, center stage, held up large letters, one by one, to spell out the title of the song. As the class would sing C is for Christmas, a child would hold up the letter C. Then H is for happy, and on and on, until each child holding up his portion had presented the complete message, Christmas love. 
The performance was going smoothly until suddenly we noticed her, a small, quiet girl in the front row who was holding the letter M upside down. She was entirely unaware that reversed her letter M appeared as a W. Fidgeting from side to side, she soon moved entirely away from her mark. The audience of first through sixth graders snickered at the little one's mistake, but in her innocence, she had no idea they were laughing at her as she stood tall, proudly holding her W. One can only imagine the difficulty in calming an audience of young, giggling students. Although many teachers tried to shush the children, the laughter continued till the last letter was raised, and we all saw it together. A hush came over the audience, and eyes began to widen. In that instant, we understood the reason we were there, why we celebrated the holiday in the first place, and why even in the chaos there was a purpose for our festivities. But when the last letter was held high, the message read loud and clear, Christ's was love. And I believe he still is. 1 John 3.16 This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Our thanks to Glenn. Let's invoke Our Lady of Guadalupe, the patroness of the unborn. Join Father Rocky for the Family Rosary Across America with all your prayers and petitions, 7 p.m. Central tonight at every night of the week here on Relevant Radio. That'll do it for this edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverance. Producers Gabby Burke, Mariano Gomez, Sarah Tafoya, the whole team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God love you. Que viva la Virgen de Guadalupe. The Patrick Madrid Show is straight ahead. <laughs>